Thank you. Thanks, Winnie, and uh, welcome to everyone who is joining us both here in person and, of course, online. It is great to have you guys. Uh, Bill and Pam, uh, welcome. You're joining us from Queensland. It's awesome that you could be with us. And uh, Jenny and Rex from New South Wales, it's awesome to have you here as well. Uh, and we've got JJ and uh, um, uh, who else? Brittany. Uh, all these people are joining us from all around the place, and they're here right now. Uh, so would you welcome them as they're joining us as well? And I don't know if you noticed, but we had a new guitarist here this morning. So I'd like you to welcome Matt to our creative team. And actually a new bass player too. I don't know if you, if you recognize that, uh, but that's pretty cool. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, it's uh, the start of your Bible, the first couple of pages of your Bible. It's the very start of everything that we know and understand. God is there. Somehow, (laughs) He's there already. Uh, God creates. He creates the heavens and the earth, and, and it describes the earth as formless and empty, a, a mysterious darkness, a depth of darkness. Uh, but it says God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters. Now, this idea of waters became a, a metaphor throughout ancient Hebrew thought for chaos. And uh, actually, we kind of use it like that as well, don't we? Sometimes we call, um, we refer to life as maybe stormy waters, or we're going through the storms of life, and, and that we're referring to the chaos of life. So God is there, and He is hovering over the chaos. And the following passages describe how God brings order out of that chaos. Describes how God separates the land and the sky and the sea and the light and the darkness and places into position the the plants and the animals. With just His presence and His Word, God brings order out of chaos. Then finally, God creates humanity. But unlike the sun and the moon and the stars and the plants and the animals, humanity is created out of an existing image. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness. I find it really interesting that this little sentence uses both the terms likeness and image as if they're two different things. Um, And I found out during the week that they actually are meant to be two different things. You see, the the Hebrew word that we translate as as likeness means pretty much what we would think. It means, you know, to look like something. But the, the word used that we translate as the word image is actually a Hebrew word that's used throughout the Old Testament to refer to something that has been created 
as a reflection or a representative of something else that is worshipped. So here God is, and He creates humanity in His likeness to, to look like Him, and in His image to be representatives of Him amongst the rest of His creation. And then, of course, everything goes terribly wrong, doesn't it? As Winnie described just before, not satisfied with being made in the image and the likeness of God, humanity desires to be their own God and decides for themselves what good and evil means instead of relying on what God says good and evil means. And in doing this, they instantly, instantly cause a separation between themselves and their Creator. They are still image bearers, but like, like a big old smudge across an otherwise beautiful canvas, the image that they bear is now tainted by the dark thread of sin. And one day, God promises to recreate, to hover over the chaos once again and create something permanently perfect for us to experience in full measure the good life as He had originally intended. But for now, we live in the in-between. Image bearers, yes. Tainted by sin, yes. And in a world becoming seemingly more and more chaotic, yes? <laughs> so what are the implications and challenges of being image bearers in the world today? Well, implication one is that God loves every person, right? God loves every person. Every human who has ever existed or whoever will exist bears God's image. And this partly explains why God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. We, you and I, all of us, are the bearers of His image. We carry a part of Him in each and every one of us. And He doesn't want a single one of His image bearers to be separate from Him. And that's why He sent Jesus, for every single one of His image bearers. Now, implication one kind of gets a bit challenging when we think about maybe people in our lives or just even people throughout history who have done terrible things. We think, how could this person be a bearer of God's image? They've done something so terrible. How could God possibly love that person? And I think it's true sometimes that sometimes there's so much sin in the way that only God can recognize His own image in somebody. But even if we can't, they still carry the image of God. And God still loves them so incredibly deeply, even if we can't really see why. 
Uh, and he, it, it really brings him no pleasure whatsoever to right their wrongs. And he brings justice. He is a God of justice. But it brings him no pleasure to bring justice upon the people who bear his image. Now, turn to the person next to you and say, you are an image bearer. Come on. If you're joining us online, type that in the chat. We want to hear. You are an image bearer. Now turn to them and say, and I like what I see. And I like... <laughs> In a friendly, nice way, not in a creepy way. <laughs> Don't be weird. I heard a weird version over here. Don't, that's not what I meant. All right. <laughs> oh, dear. God loves every single person. Implication two. Implication two. Every person has an equal amount of intrinsic value. Okay? Because we're all image bearers, not a single one of us is valued or loved by God more than any other person. And, and if we're image bearers, then we should actually love and treat others the same way God does as other image bearers. Uh, the New Testament book of James talks a lot about um, the words that we use. Uh, and this is really interesting. He says, with our tongue, we bless the Lord and Father, and, but also with it, we curse people made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes a blessing and a curse. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Why should I be careful with the things that I say to other people? Why should I love my neighbor as myself? Well, because they're an image bearer. They hold the image and likeness of God. And as such, I should treat them that way. Now, the challenge that we come across with implication two is that while we might say with our words that we believe everyone has an equal amount of intrinsic value, we don't necessarily always say that with our actions or our attitudes, do we? You know, think about maybe people who disagree with us. Maybe people who hold a different worldview to us. Maybe people who live by different values to us. Or, or maybe even uh, have a different amount of social status or wealth or health or education than us. Can we identify the image and the likeness of God in these people despite our differences? Are we able to go deeper than the issues on the surface and actually get to know people as fellow image bearers and treat them as such? That's sometimes a challenge, isn't it? Implication three is that there's an order and a hierarchy to all created things, and humanity is actually at the top of that. You know, God is, is in Genesis 1, He is bringing order to the chaos, but as He's doing so, does He place His image on the sun, or on the stars, or on the plants, or on the animals, or on my beloved pet cat of 14 years? No, none of those bear 
the image of the Creator. Humanity bears the image of the Creator. And it actually explains why as well. He says, uh, God says, let them have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals and all the creepy crawlies. God has given His image bearers authority and responsibility to rule over the rest of creation. Now, does this mean that we can be wasteful? Does it mean that we can be reckless with what God has given us? Does it mean that we don't have to take better care of our environment? Does it mean that we don't have to consider how to live in a more sustainable way? No, of course it doesn't mean those things. In fact, you know, as uh, Spider-Man's Uncle Ben says, with great power comes great responsibility, right? I'm, I'm called Uncle Ben by a few people. Um, we are, humanity is the great middle manager of all of creation. You see, we, we report directly to the boss, God, the creator of all things. He's in charge, and we report directly to Him. That's a big responsibility. But the rest of creation, Genesis 1 says, actually reports to us. There's actually a hierarchy and an order to God's creation. Now, the challenge with implication three is, of course, you're probably thinking that that kind of goes against a lot of trains of thoughts in our society these days. There are a lot of people out there who consider humanity to be just another species of animal and therefore carry equal value to any other animal. Uh, There are people out there who may prioritize the love of nature over the love of neighbor. It's not always a popular opinion to think that humanity is somehow more special or more uh, powerful or more in charge than anything else on earth, but it's no less true. But then again, why would you believe this if you didn't believe that there was a God? If you believed that everything was an accident, then why would you believe that humans are any more special than anything else? If you didn't believe that humanity was created in the image and likeness of God, why would you believe that they are any more special than anything else? So it's not about having an argument. It's not about trying to convince or win others over to a certain way of thinking. It's about attempting to understand a different worldview. It's about trying to recognize and identify the image of God in a person despite what, are, what they believe. And it's about sharing the message of Jesus with people in ways that they can grasp and in love. Implication four, and there's five, by the way, so we're nearly there. Hang in there. Implication four is that we are designed to pursue godliness. We're designed to pursue godliness. Think about it. If we are made in the image and likeness of God, then surely our primary goal should be to become more like Him. (laughs) That should be our whole goal in life, is to become more like God. And uh, the Apostle Paul actually believes this. You You can read all through the books of the New Testament, and you can see this kind of idea coming through all the time. 
uh, really interestingly, Ephesians chapter 4 says this, put away your former way of life, your old self, corrupt and deluded by its lusts and sins, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and clothe yourselves with the new self, created according to what? (laughs) The likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says that the new self that we gain when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that new self is actually created according to the likeness of God. Where have we heard that before? Uh, Actually, in 2 Corinthians as well, and we mentioned this actually last Sunday morning, Paul says that we are ambassadors for Christ. We are ambassadors. What's an ambassador? It's a representative of Christ, of God. Now, where have we heard that one before? (laughs) What Paul is saying and what he says consistently throughout the New Testament is that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we give Him authority to rule our lives, we become far more like the humanity that God had originally intended, made in His image and in His likeness. The challenge with implication four is that godly living sometimes looks quite different from the way other people live in our lives around us, doesn't it? Sometimes we choose to do things that few other people do. Sometimes we choose to not do things that it seems like everyone else is doing. I wonder how willing we are to be seen as different. Because I tell you, the Bible makes it really clear, God is desperate for His people to look different. He calls it holiness. He calls that being holy. I wonder how committed we are to pursuing godliness for the sake of being better image bearers. And implication five. Implication five is that community is a part of the plan. And uh, this actually is what our entire series is about. And so uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to actually tease this particular implication out uh, in far more detail uh, over the next few weeks. And we're really looking forward to bringing that uh, to us. But for today, by way of introduction, let's, let's return to Genesis chapter 1, that same verse again, uh, where God decides to make humanity, and there's a huge clue for us. Because God says, let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness. Who is us? <laughs> God. God is the one speaking, and He says, us. How can God be an us? <laughs> God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, three in one. God as perfect and pure community. As image bearers, made by God in the likeness of God, we will never reflect His image 
properly until we're in community with others. Because God is community, okay? Now, I grew up with a mom who loves jigsaw puzzles, and uh, jigsaw puzzles have made their way into my list of things that I love too. I wonder who else is a fellow puzzler? Raise your hands. Oh, there's quite a few. Cool. Online, type puzzler in the chat if you're one of those people. Well, you guys will all know exactly what I'm talking about. When I describe the sensation of, or the feeling of satisfaction and just peace and calm that comes, when you, when you place that last piece in the picture and at long last, after maybe hours, maybe days, maybe weeks, maybe even months of work, of keeping coming back to this puzzle, the picture is finally complete. How good is that feeling? That is a great feeling. Now, you'll also understand the opposite. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say, because it, it brings just tingles down your spine, and uh, you've... Uh, nightmares and all sorts of strange things, the, the, the terrifying moment when you get to the end of a jigsaw puzzle and realize that you are missing a piece. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that is one of the worst feelings that you could possibly have, right? Oh, gosh. Well, um, during COVID lockdowns, of course, I had uh, plenty of opportunity to do some jigsaw puzzles. Uh, and, um, well, let's just say lockdown uh, had a different effect on all of us. And uh, I, at one point, I decided to Google hardest puzzle in the world and then buy it and order it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, this jigsaw puzzle came, and uh, it's called the Crypt. And uh, every piece is a different size and shape. Not, no two pieces are the same. Uh, and the image on the piece, in fact, the image of the whole puzzle, is just a plain black rectangle. That's it. Uh, and there's some pictures here I took. Um, that is, and, and I know some of the puzzlers in the room and online who said you were puzzlers before have now just dropped off that train. <laughs> You're like, nah, I'm out. I'm no. <laughs> That's enough. Yeah. Look, there I am. 2020. Now, the satisfaction did come eventually uh, after I think I timed myself, because I thought this is, you know, and just the way my personality is, I timed myself. Um, and after 17 and something minutes, hours, um, 17 hours and something minutes, I did complete it. And the satisfaction that came with putting that last piece, oh, there it is. Look at that. There it is. And I know what you're thinking, I am a bit crazy. Um, but, like I said, it was during lockdown, and we all went a little bit crazy, so that's okay. Uh, you know what I think? I, I think humanity is the most beautiful jigsaw puzzle that has ever existed. The most beautiful jigsaw puzzle that's ever existed. Uh, unlike that one, which is just plain a <laughs> black rectangle, the beauty that we hold as humanity in the overall image that God created is absolutely spectacular. But the image isn't complete until we've each found our place. 
and you don't start to see the full image until we found our place. We, we're all like little puzzle pieces uh, that we have our own little partial picture on there. But it isn't until we start clicking together and coming together and uniting together that we start to fill out the bigger picture of what God designed. The challenge of implication five is that every single piece of this beautiful puzzle is a different shape and size. And my, my crypt puzzle, there was no pattern to follow, there's no picture that we could refer back to. You literally have to sit there and like try every single piece in every single spot until it, it all clicked. And, but we have a picture to go by. God's Word describes what His people should look like. It, he, his Word describes what God's image should look like as represented by us, humanity. Uh, but this challenge of everyone being a different size and shape, you know, sometimes it means that even though we all belong in the same puzzle and we all belong in the same image uh, of the family of God puzzle, it, sometimes two pieces don't necessarily click together, like, directly, right? <laughs> we all have our kind of part. And that provides a challenge, but it also, on the flip side, provides incredible satisfaction when we do bring those pieces together and start to reveal the full image. Now, everyone who joined me here this morning in person should have received a little piece of a puzzle. And uh, I thought it would be great if we now uh, can just collect all those and put them together right now and just do the puzzle. Um, but we've run out of time, unfortunately. We, get, oh. <laughs> we don't have another 10 hours of this service remaining, so... Um. And I'd hate to know how many pieces just got lost the way in. That'd, that'd be bad. But may your puzzle piece this morning remind you that you carry the image of God on you. But also, you're part of a bigger picture. You're part of a, a beautiful image that has actually been planned right from the very start, from the beginning of time. I'm going to pray for us now, and I'm actually going to pray for a couple of different groups of people, so I'd really encourage you as we pray to pray along with me, and if you're in those groups of people, maybe this um, yeah, is a prayer for you. Let's pray. Lord, firstly, we just want to thank you for your image and likeness that is placed on each of us. Thank you that you have designed us so beautifully and wonderfully with a piece of you built into us, into our, into our very makeup, in order that we reflect who you are and we represent who you are on this earth. Well, firstly, I want to pray for those of us here, either in person or joining us online, who are living in the chaos right now. 
people who need the God who can bring order into chaos. The God who can bring peace beyond all understanding. Holy Spirit, would you do that for them now? Would your very presence bring order to the chaos and your word bring new creation? Lord, I want to pray for those who need, who feel like they need to pursue godliness maybe a little bit harder than they are at the moment. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you provide courage for tough decisions? Would you provide strength to make the right choices? And Lord, I want to pray for our community. May we realize and identify the image of God in everybody, no matter what their background, their context, their culture, the differences that we have or the similarities. May we find ways to join the individual pieces together in community and make a most wonderful picture together of who our Creator and our God is. And in your name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen.